Saturday night. Oh, that's right. I uh, listen, and this is good. Thank you for having me on. This is Adam West and AdamWest.com. Don't forget that AdamWest.com. We have so many goodies for you. We'll tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. Don't think you get me so easily. It is now time for us to put Earth under our roof. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess, and you will give you witchcraft. You expect me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Five by Saturday night. Good afternoon, Pango Pango, and welcome to TalkCast 229. Join us as we talk about all things this week that probably mean nothing to anyone but us and the vast gajillions who listen to us with bated breath and bated hooks in our virtual fishbowl of sci-fi life. Deep in Area 51 on the sub-level 16, Bob and Carol, Ted and Alice, Psychot, Therapy Creamery. If it's eating you up, have a cup. I am the Fiorella LaGuardia of an alternate universe. I am the Dome. Joining the talk cast tonight are the usual suspects, and we have the cast here tonight, which kind of scares me because something's about to go wrong when we're all here. In the Revere Time Vortex, our violent soundboard vixen, Countess of Shiny Stuff, inaccurately referred to as Testy, when all she wants to do is test. Vice Secretary of Opinions or Us Weekly, the non-paper, eco-friendly, easy for nerds. It's our own girl genius, Kriana. I'll give you your testes in a minute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> From the stacks in her personal quiet place in the dank dungeons, only indoor zen and vegetable garden and robot reading room, the unmutable woman herself known throughout the cyberverse is the obvious successor to Dr. Susan Galvin. Look, it's not Schrodinger's cat. It's the Zombrarian. Kriana only used that opener because she's trying to make me not mad at her anymore. <laughs> no, because I don't care if you're mad at me right now. From the four-color vault of comics in Manchester, New Hampshire, our lovely Ginger Anjadu. She fell in love with Bella Lugosi on the set of Plan 9 from Outer Space and still has the Angora sweater to prove it. It's the dead redhead. Hey, everyone. That was original. Big <laughs> morning tonight. Okay. Our guest tonight joining us for the full hour from Silence in the Library Publishing is Ron Garner, a gentleman that I've had correspondence with for about six months, and we're just talking to you for the first time. Ron, welcome to the show. Thanks. Again, not really sure what I've gotten myself into here. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Just... just Keep your hands inside the machine at all times, and don't stand up in the middle of the ride, and you'll be fine. When the temperature starts dropping, that's that's. That's when you have to worry. Just just hold, hold hands, your no breath; dancing. you'll be fine. Old hands, no dancing. That's the rule. Perfect. It's 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 going to be you know footloose later on. Uh, we're going to be talking about Silence in the Library Publishing, the uh, publishing house that is doing some very incredibly cool things. We're going to talk about a bunch of that cool stuff. But first, the news. 
That was almost there that time. I couldn't click the thing fast enough. It wouldn't click. Jesus, I tried. This is this is otherwise known as a semi-professional amateur organization. I'll give you an amateur. Mm. <laughs> Some librarian. You're going to start things off tonight. I am. You am. I am. Go for so, it. So, wait, I thought I wasn't. I thought Dead Redhead was. Oh, no, you're absolutely part. right. <gasps> yes, we almost did it wrong. Almost did it no! wrong. No! So, Dead Redhead, you're going to start tonight to talk about Nauticon. Sure, I will talk about Nauticon. It is going on. It's going on right now, actually, as people are hearing this on Saturday. It started on Friday night. It's going through Saturday and into Sunday. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Nauticon is a little different than most cons we talk about in that there aren't a lot of... This isn't one that draws in a bunch of famous people and you go and get things signed. There's only one famous person who's going to be there. Um, A lot of it is specifically for the people who work cons. And you're to go down and they have uh, different... um, meetings and workshops and things about how to supposedly make money working cons <laughs> um, how to <laughs> we, we know that that's the fantasy of making money at a con right, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. How, how to uh, you know how to get snockered when you're on at a con that one uh, that, that's an easy one we all know how to actually. do that yeah. and the only guest who's going to be there this year is yes you're sick of me hearing hearing me talk about it. Oh, no. Oh, no, please. Honor. And I am his bodyguard for the weekend. <laughs> so. And you're going to keep your top on the entire time? And, you know, we're, we're, I'm guessing that X is going to be right behind me every second of the way. So, so you're going to have to then. <laughs> X is going to be your bodyguard. <laughs> <laughs> I got to pick him up at the airport. I have to make sure that he gets to all of his venues that he has to get to, including a whiskey tasting that apparently is going on. Oh, that sounds horrible. I got to be honest. But. Yeah, I, I, can't t- I can't tell you how much work that sounds like. Bringing Voltaire to a whiskey tasting How will you survive the weekend? Well, I won't be tasting the whiskey That's how I'm going to survive the weekend Wait, wait, actual Voltaire? Yes Where have you been? (laughs) I don't know, I must have been drunk or something Hang on, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute How, How are you even like How have you not squeed yourself into asphyxiation at this point? It's been a bit of a busy month, Kriana. Oh, that's true. Okay, well, fine, but still. Nope, I was, I've been very nice not to bombard everybody with, with my squeeness. Um, <laughs> and then it's gone back and forth, I guess, as to, you know, when exactly he was going to show up and how and all those kind of things. But I'm picking up, him up at the airport on Saturday. And I'm in charge of him until we leave on Sunday, and then somebody else is getting him back to the airport on sun- on uh, Monday. But um, are you going to have the concert, and which is very cool to get to hear him live? Because this will be like the fourth time I think that X and I have seen him live. So he's very good. He has a new CD that just came out, "Raised by Bats," that has Robert Picardo and a bunch of other very cool people on it. Um, he's got his novel out. He's working on a second novel. He's on in the middle of a tour. He's about to go over to Europe. So, yeah. 
And for two and a half days, he's all yours. He is. He is. I think it's Vaughn. Good thing I went to body for that class. I, I do believe I heard a lilt in her voice. Oh, dear. <laughs> well, yes, come on over to Nauticon. There's still tickets. And as you can tell, this is the kind of thing you come and you just have fun. This is not to see how many... Uh, signatures or whatever that you unless there's Voltaire unless there's Voltaire and, no, I, I um, think if, if, you, if you really like Voltaire uh, this is this is uh, you could like get him to sign body parts absolutely I've seen him <laughs> do that before so <laughs> have you gotten him to do that before tell the truth there's uh there's gonna be a group there I gotta find the name of them because it's a huge drag show and I guess these folks came in from New York the um, I guess the just the there was the something oh there it is the misbehaving maidens sounds fun and then there will also be booty painting I don't know what that is and I I'll tell you exactly what it is <laughs> it's a lot like the dazzling change and they they paint it for you is is what I understand happens there uh, I would suggest booty. that you take the camera from X. <laughs> And you hide it. <laughs> because if you don't, you know what's going to be on the memory card. I think it's card. two guys who are getting their booties painted. So, it might be a different issue. Uh -huh. There's also a, a cupcake war and a scavenger hunt. So, this is the kind of... You, you, you go here and you just drink and have fun. That's all you, this is about. You, you let Pam know. That my thought of having a scavenger hunt at Nauticon is one of the most terrifying ideas I've ever heard. <laughs> Scavenge <No>. this. <laughs> that seems like the kind of thing that you'd almost have to drink at just to, to come out of the weekend not in a straight jacket, I think. Yeah. Well, that's that, part of my job. I, I think, when, I'm not, when I'm not watching Voltaire, I'm on quote-unquote wellness duty because it's not... Uh, I, I guess I'm going to be watching for trunks in the hallway and making sure they get to their room and so forth. So that ought to be fun. Yeah. It's all back that. to college again, folks. <laughs> well, it's nice so that's they not have a that con. available, though, because if, if you're having an event where you're going to be encouraging people to imbibe heavily and have fun, it's, it's very responsible to make sure that there's someone sober there to keep an eye on everybody. People. Uh, oh, and I have to make sure that I say that we are not providing the liquor. There are several groups. Who There's a group who's bringing all the whiskey. There's a group who's bringing the beer kegs. There's a group who's bringing whatever adult beverages are there. But Nauticon itself is not providing the alcohol. <laughs> so that's Nauticon, and, and we're going to get a full in-depth report on this. <laughs> after the dead redhead sobers up in two weeks. <laughs> it's right. going to take her two weeks to do that. Yep. Pam, uh, Pam, if you're listening, most frightening thought in the world, a scavenger hunt at Nauticon. <laughs> yeah, that's just scary. So, uh, Star Wars 7 is... Uh, no, 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 now no? it's my turn. Oh, okay. We went over this dome. I know, but I forget. I, my medication isn't working. <sighs> Nobody put numbers in. If they he, put numbers in. Good God. Go All ahead, right. 
So speaking of conventions that are coming up in the Boston area, um, the Weston Waterfront, Waterfront Weston, I always get it mixed up. Anyway, that hotel. What? (laughs) I said it's two W's no waiting. Go on. (laughs) Okay. Like two years ago, yeah. 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 Um, Which is a very nice place is having a Walking Dead convention called Walker Stalker Con. And it actually sounds like it's going to be a really good time. It's a three-day event, June 13th, 14th, and 15th. Um, uh, I'm trying to remember, like, actual actor names in Norman Reedus, Stephen Yeun, Lawrence Gilliard Jr., and somebody whose name I couldn't pronounce if my life depended on it. <laughs> Sonequa Martin-Green. Oh, Michuan. Yes. I know the character, I just Michonne? couldn't Michonne? Michonne. Michonne. We'll get, we'll get like half the pronunciations right here. That and the other Dr. half will be tortured terribly. Plus people from the, the original works. Night of the Living Dead. Plus people from Boondock Saints. Plus zombie makeup artists. Zombie shopping, zombie food. That would be disgusting. Zombie <laughs> <Yeah>. panels. <laughs> Lady uh, fingers. Well, also a list of, you know, prion disease. Very large. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's going to be a really interesting little niche con. It, it, I mean, so if cool. If you're a fan of zombies, yeah, absolutely. walk off a day or two. June 13th to 15th. Hit over the Western Waterfront in Boston and, uh, and shamble around. not that expensive. No, they're really not. So, well worth it. Anyway, now talk about Star Wars 7. So, J.J. Um, Abrams has uh, threatened the Star Wars universe the same way he did the Star Trek universe with one significant difference. Actually, two significant differences. Uh, first, when when he did Star Wars, uh, Star Trek, he said, you know, I, I never really watched the original Star Trek, and I didn't really like it much. Asshole. Actually, nice. proved that in two movies, I think. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. <laughs> uh, and now he's going after the Star Wars universe with a slightly different tune, saying, I'm a big fan. And then he hasn't done anything original with it yet. Nice. All right. So he can he can take he he can do the same thing he did to Star Trek, which is take the few female characters and put them in in you know unnecessary, necessarily gratuitous uh, nude scenes. So that'll be great. Yeah, yeah. female characters because so far there are two. Yeah, and one two. of them's Princess Leia. Yeah, exactly. They've added one new female character so far to a cast of what. Looks to be pretty much the uh, the the governing body of the GOP. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and um, everybody's trying to defend this thing, but there's one. There's at least one female main character who they haven't cast yet, and I'm like, okay, so one, one yes. plus two, two is plus three. three. Yeah. That does not Maybe. make it. <laughs> That's representation, sure. Yeah, sure. sure. Yeah. Fifty-one percent of the world represented in three people. 
You know what my favorite response to this whole, because, you know, this is kind of blown up on the Internet and people are justifiably very upset about it as far as like their lack of representation. And my favorite response, and by favorite, I mean, you know, I, I, I want to throttle people every time they say it to this is the calm down, you'll, uh, you know, and, and, and see what happens, right? Yeah, um, we did that with Star Trek. Look what the hell happened to that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, and you know, I'm I, as I told you guys earlier. I'm, you know, I'm a husband. I'm a father of of a, of a teenage girl. I I want her to have positive role models. So I look at that, and when I hear uh, when I hear a a a group of white men tell a woman to calm down, what I am hearing is, you know, what I really hear and what I really think that they are saying, whether they mean to or not, is, uh, whoa, slow down there, little lady. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's like a, just like a scene out of Mad Men, isn't it? Even yeah. if they don't mean that, that is what they're saying. Even if yeah. they don't think they mean that, that is what they mean. Yeah. And the yeah. cast is also not just incredibly male, it's incredibly white. Yes. Like, I think about... Is it whiter or less Wars white movies? than Lord of the Rings? Which was basically 100% white. Yeah. Like, I no, think like, about so the original like, Star Wars movies, and there was... I mean, to be fair, for the time period especially, there was a wide range of diversity, yeah. and the people, and it wasn't like the token black guy. Really? What? Yeah. Like there were two? Because I <laughs> well, only remember the one. So, well, if you want to hear a good, uh, if you want to read a good uh, essay on this, go over to Michael Stackpole's page over at stormwolf.com. Still alive, right? Yep. Yes, still alive. Just checking. <laughs> still alive. So, <laughs> go, over, go over to Mike's page on stormwolf.com, and he really kind of broke it down why it's an issue, not just because of the representation thing, but because of how it kind of destroys the entire Star Wars story arc in that, you know, prior to the Empire, you had this amazingly diverse uh, civilization under the Republic. And then the Empire comes along, and they start purging people, and they are a very eth- ethnically uh, oriented type of organization that tries to kind of... they're Nazis! Yes, Wait. exactly. <laughs> but then, you know, so in the New Republic, you would expect that the, that the government and the, the society would become more diverse again as a reaction to that. So by not doing that... What you are really doing is saying that everything that the, the the people who that the rebels fought for didn't come to fruition. You're kind of destroying the entire purpose of that battle. That's very intuitive. Yeah, it's a, it's actually pretty spot on for the most That's part. That's really cool. Speaking about destroying what they fought for. Uh oh. Actually, that's a that's a great segue. Thank you for that. Um. <laughs> Some big news in the comic slash app world. Now, I'm going to talk a bit about Amazon right now. And Amazon has a pretty good track record with acquisitions, I think. Um, they acquired Woot. They didn't fuck with it. They too acquired Too much. Too much. I, I they, mean, a little. They sanitized it quite a bit. Slightly. But other than that. I, well, but I mean, it's still basically the same. Yeah. They acquired Goodreads. Mm-hmm. Still basically the same. No big. Um, Well, Amazon recently acquired Comixology, which is basically the number one comics app. You could buy a ton of comics 
through Comixology. They had a ton of, of contracts with major, major people, as well as indie people. Tons of indies as well, yeah. Ton, tons of indies, but they, they were so popular that they actually did have contracts with some major publishers, right. I believe. You could at least yeah. get Walking Dead through it. Yep. Um, and I, I think some Marvel, potentially. I don't sure. know. The, that's indie, the, the fringe Marvel. Oh, that's right, yes. Yep. So, like, they were a big deal. Amazon bought Comixology, and they gutted it. And here's how they gutted it. They don't want to give Apple money. So the way to get around giving Apple (laughs) money is to pull the in-app purchases. The problem for people over... How old are you, lovely guest, Ron? 41. Over 41 years of age. (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm sure you don't have this problem. But you're sure that I do, don't you? But 42 and over, you're in trouble. Is that when you have to go to the site and buy the comic on the website and then somehow get it into your iPhone, people 42 years old and older and, and some less technically savvy younger people... Like Zombrarian. You can figure it out. It took me a while to get that thing onto my iPhone the other day. So, so Amazon has made this decision because they don't want to give, you know, Apple 30 cents on the dollar. Um, which makes sense for Amazon. And yes, technically the creators probably get more money that way. But... It makes the barrier to entry a hell of a lot higher. And literally, if you Google Comixology Amazon right now, there, there are just like at least three to five pages of Google results about people being upset that Amazon has literally gutted the functionality of this app by not allowing you to buy comics directly through it anymore. Their, their global overall rank has fallen from just around 250 to 982 in the past one, two, three, four, five days. Wow. That's a huge drop. It's a, a huge drop, and they're, ranked, they're currently at one star. Whereas before they were, I, I would say, probably like four and a half. At least. So, yeah. They blew it. They blew it big time. And Amazon doesn't usually blow it big time. I mean, yeah, sometimes they change stuff and you're like, that's slightly less convenient. Or that's slightly less funny than it was before. This is blowing it big time. Wow. That's a shame. Well, and here, here's another thing. Um, there's this, there's a quote on this uh, article about um, this issue. So it's by Mark Wade, who worked on Captain America. And so, not only does this hurt people who don't understand how to get it onto their iPhone, but it also hurts like kids who were using that that way and whose parents, you know, you can give an allowance. On your iTunes right. account, like no longer does that work. <clears throat> like it, it's a huge, huge. It's, I, I would say seventy-five percent of the purpose of that app is just gone. Because no any, a, anyone no can make a fine comic reader. Any schmuck who knows how to program can do that. It's it's yeah. not that difficult. That there are plenty of them, and you, comicsology you know has become just another. 
you know what I think Amazon's problem was is that Comixology was never a good fit for their business model anyway. Um, well, because Comixology relies heavily on Apple. So because it obviously. relies heavily on Apple. And, and Amazon's margin on most things is very, very, very narrow. So they make very little money on anything, really, that they have to warehouse and ship. Um, so they, But their margin on electronic distribution is actually very large. Uh, so that they rely on that as a driver in their in in their business in many ways. So they, in order to do electronic distribution, they have to make the margin as large as possible to make it fit their business model, so that it can be a profit driver. And uh, and and that was just never going to happen with Comixology the way that, it, given how much they rely on Apple. But Apple is still only thirty percent. I mean. Come on. Yeah, plenty, plenty of people survive they, that way. And I get they want to maximize, but you you don't gut your app to maximize. Like, there there's no way... Oh, they, they must have had literally a slobbering moron do the cost-benefit analysis on this. Because re- revoking that in-app purchase option is going to cost them so much more money than they're going to make. Oh, it's a bad idea all the way around. They just should should never have purchased it. I mean, they shouldn't have, whoever whoever did the whoever did the cost benefit analysis on the purchase of the company was the one that needs to be fired. <laughs> also, that yes, true. That that as well. But but like, okay, do I want to have a sale, give thirty percent of the profit to Apple, and still make some money, or do I just say? Fuck all these sales. I don't want your money. Fuck it. <laughs> Fuck you. Don't give me your money. Go go on Pirate Bay and download this comic right now. Your money's not green enough for me. That's basically what they're saying. And right. I mean, I get they, they're competing with Apple, whatever. Don't buy a freaking iOS app. Yeah. <clears throat> Slash rant. Done now. Sure. So speaking of huge mistakes... Use. I sorry, Dead Redhead. I just want to squeeze this no, one no, no, last no. thing in just, there. No, I was just being silly. Oh, okay. Speaking of big mistakes, there's this con called Cherry City Comic Con. It's out in oh shoot, now I'm gonna forget whether it was Oregon or Washington. Oh, the site's down too. Is it really? <laughs> yeah, site yeah, temporarily the site I, down. I found I found a new one though, so that I can make sure I get my names and things correct. Link-ity-link. So, Cherry City Comic Con, which I want to be very careful to make sure you know, there is another Comic Con with a very similar name in Michigan, and this is not that one. So don't get mad at them. This is the one on the West Coast. This is the one on the West Coast. So, let's talk about the very first thing they did that was stupid. And this is, this is local. So, they took a picture of a very famous Boston cosplayer, Belcher, Belcheri? Mm-hmm, Belcher. Belcher, yep. um, who's gorgeous, by the way, and an amazing cosplayer. And they took a picture of her from Dragon Con, which is a 21-plus event. Where she was dressed as a uh, goblin queen. And it's a scanty costume. <laughs> she will not it's kind be- of scandalous, but I appreciate it. Yeah. You can and you know, an an adults only event. Cool. Right. Fun. Um It's a part of a scanty scanty costume, actually, maybe even. Yeah. 
<laughs> there, anyway, there's some cloth there. Anyway, though. There, there are side and under bits showing. <laughs> anyway. We'll, we'll, we'll say that. I mean, I mean that's I think not it's, the important part, Kiana. Well, it's technically legal, I think, and that's the important part. <laughs> yeah. The important part is she's not attending Cherry City Comic Con, but oh, they boy. chose to use this picture of her as a promotional photo. Uh-oh. On their Facebook. That was I mean, and she was like, uh, and she has taken care to distance herself from this whole thing and said, I'm not attending this con. I don't know why they used my picture. Whatever. And she's dropping it because that was just their first mistake. Their second mistake was that when two different people contacted them with concerns... They decided that both of them were the same person. One was a cosplayer who wrote them a private email that said, as a female cosplayer, with the things that you're promoting and the comments you're choosing to make about these photos, I do not feel that this is going to be a safe space for female cosplayers and I would like a refund because I will not be attending. Another person commented on the photo and said, you're promoting this event as a family-friendly event and as a place where people should bring their children. I'm not sure if this, co- if this costume in this photo is something that I would call appropriate for a family-friendly event. What are, you know, what are the actual rules? The organizer of this convention whose name is Mark, I believe, yes, Mark Martin, decided to conflate these two requests, and instead of saying, I'm so sorry you feel that way, and refunding the money, mm-hmm. took it to Facebook, post, um, posted, copied and posted this entire private email, and encouraged people to harass these women. Oh, oh, so he's brilliant as well. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Call, um, went off on a horrible a- rant, calling them all kinds of names. And the cosplayer had to shut down her Facebook page because she was getting so much harassment over it. Um, apparently... There are allegations that he created several sock puppet accounts to agree with himself. Because <laughs> nobody else would. And to continue to ha- harass these women and drum up, um, drum up support in harassing them. Good lord. It's, yeah. Wow. It was just, it's this amazing amazingly huge uh, so to use the vernacular he's a dumbass yes <laughs> have we given out the asshole of the month award yet so next time someone tells me that convent and this convention ready for this this is the best part this correct convention according to them has a harassment policy 
<laughs> I wonder what it is. <laughs> I, I'm just I'm reading this write up of of the whole situation by Sideshow Housewife on Blogspot. Yes, and and I really enjoy this this one sentence. A woman's concern about her safety makes her crazy in this guy's eyes, despite the fact that he totally mansplained to her that her concerns were unfounded. Jeez, guys. So mansplained. Mansplained. Have you never heard that before? <laughs> it's it's basically it. don't worry your pretty little head, let the men take care of it. But were we just down. talking about? Yeah. Yeah, calm down. Calm down. Better. Um, so this is why in case anyone was wondering, this is why uh things like the cosplay is not consent initiative are so important. In Hollaback Boston. Yeah, well that we should mention them too. Well, honey, they're they're the same person. Well, not the same, per- no, they're the same organization. Well, I think cosplay without con- or cosplay is not consent is bigger than just that one organization. Um, Hollaback, Hollaback, the Boston. National Hollaback organization runs cosplay is not consent for conventions, and they other also run other um, anti-sexual harassment things. Oh, cool! But yeah, so they're doubly awesome, is what you're saying. So just because a convention has an anti-harassment policy doesn't mean they're awesome. No. Well, in fact, the- every every convention has one now, and it doesn't mean it will be respected. Now, now did he say he had an anti-harassment or a harassment policy? I know he has one, or is this something from his lawyer who said, here, sign this, it'll protect you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like, most sites have, like, privacy policies, right? No one ever reads them. The site owner probably just went to to a lawyer and said, what should I say? And they were like, um, I don't know, maybe this. May, maybe this. <laughs> one of my favorite quotes from um, this guy, Mark, who runs the convention, someone made a comment when he posted this screenshot and said, wow, I hope she shows up and can be proven wrong. And... <laughs> The guy running the convention said, I I don't, because we don't want her kind here. Her kind. Oh, her we kind. don't want her kind here. Lovely. Obviously, he means female. Yeah. No. Yeah. Nice mm. way to shut down a convention. No women show up. Yeah, right? <laughs> Which means all the geeks have nothing to look at. Hmm. Really <laughs> boring costume contest, let me tell you. <laughs> also... Yep. also what kind of business person <laughs> decides that when someone asks for a refund, the best reaction is to scream at them on Facebook? Wait, wait, wait. You know who should cater that convention? Amy's, Amy's Bakery. Bakery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's exactly That's where I was, I was going thinking. with that. This is why we're getting married. Everybody. Yeah, I know. Uh-huh. <laughs> Amy's Baking Company. Anyway, I thought that that was important because I know our listeners are all wonderful feminists yeah, and if the they're o- not I poke them with, with sticks the The only thing is that that link that's in there that you have is, is broken. broken we so talked get- about that already yeah okay cool so definitely did you uh, totally miss that dome were you asleep no, no I wasn't well asleep. you, ha- you made fun of me about Voltaire so now I have to call you on this one mm-hmm. I heard Voltaire and I got excited oh calm the hell down no, you didn't. <laughs> a little. I got. I got confused, and then I was like, "Wait a minute." So, uh, you know, yeah. I'm just. I'm just not used to hearing his name without you know the accompanying 
Squeak. Exactly. I was just like, wait, wait, wait. So we had a poll this week, and, you know, in terms of our idiot friends at that con in uh, on the West Coast, our idiot friends on Facebook still won't let us do the polls there. So we're trying to migrate back to our website with it. We got a fairly better response this week than last week, so people are Even though to I forgot to, to post the poll on time. Mm, that would have helped, too. But thanks, True. Zuckerberg. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dead Redhead, talk a little, what happened with this week's poll? So we asked, who was the best science fiction FBI agent? Because we came up with a handful of them. So there were more I, than we thought when we started that one, yeah. Well, we also had J. Edgar Hoover. I'm not quite sure how he got on there, but anyway. Well, I don't think there's anybody who had less touch with reality than him. That, well, that's very true. I'll give you that, Dom. Um... Thank you, guys. That was my. <laughs> <laughs> so going, let's see if I can figure this out now. It's harder to figure it out when you got to go backwards. Well, let's just say who the winner is. The winner for this week is definitely Special Agent Dale Cooper from Twin Peaks. I am very proud to say that it was Special Agent Dale Cooper. Oh, absolutely. For Twin Peaks. Perhaps. And then we, we had a couple runners up. We also had Fox Fox. Mulder, because my lips work sometimes. Um, Clarice Sterling and Scully, because if you're gonna have Fox Mulder, you gotta have Scully with him. So, That's but good. Dale Cooper's the man. Well, yes, he's definitely a man. He won this week, so. Well, as opposed to Denise, who was Fox Mulder in Twin Peaks and actually dressed as a woman, but that gets complicated. You know, Dead Redhead, since the last time we spoke, I don't I don't think I told you this, but Zombrian and I did actually attempt to watch Twin Peaks. Well, since you said attempt, we won't We, we didn't even get through the first episode, honestly. <laughs> um, we were just like, I don't... I don't get I'm it. a peaky, and I... I, I just don't... Yeah. I mean, I get what's going on, but it's just really slow. No yes. love for Kyle McLaughlin, huh? No love for him at all, but I gotta tell I you that... It. I have love for Kyle McLaughlin. <laughs> okay. Good deal. Anyway. Now that the poll's done, we've officially reintroduced once again Ron Garner from Silence in the Library Publishing. Hey. Ron, welcome. Thank um, you. I've wanted you on for a while. Uh, I first contact with Silence in the Library Publishing was through Kickstarter, which was a Kickstarter project uh, that you did called Athena's Daughters. Yes, one of my favorites. Actually, maybe my favorite of the ones that we've done. Um, and <clears throat> I looked at it and I went, female writers, great idea. They're underrepresented almost everywhere. Uh, and most of these are, are new writers, young writers. Uh, and I'm just really interested to see what this anthology looks like. And that went through the roof, that Kickstarter. Oh, what was the most successful prose anthology ever on Kickstarter. So, um, so yeah, I, we were asking for, I, I, I'm trying to remember, I think we, we needed 8500 to fund it, and we wound up getting just over 44500 Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so it did really well. And I mean, every, every week I'm sitting there, uh, no, every two days I'm sitting there uh, looking at my email going, Jesus, another stretch goal? Another one? <laughs> I know. Crap. They and then. So quickly, especially at the very beginning there. It was and just I, crazy. I, I was on it from the very beginning. I just, I just found it a really interesting project. So 
that project itself is very interesting. All the projects that you're doing is very interesting. What is Silence in the Library Publishing? So Silence in the Library is a, uh, it's a, we're a small publishing company. We, we really started operations um, about a year ago. And our first major project was, uh, was Time Travel Tales, which we launched on Kickstarter. And, uh, and that was a project that was brought to us actually by Aaron Alston, who unfortunately is no longer with us, and, uh, and Michael Stackpole. Um, and, uh, and basically, so that project was the, there's an Origins Game Fair, which is a, uh, which is a, a, a convention every year in Columbus, Ohio, um, does this uh, does this anthology that uh, that is you know stories by the authors that are there at the at the game fair, and uh, and so that was the that was the anthology for Origins Game Fair the year before, and it's a very limited. They do a limited run, um, you know, kind of a in house print type of deal, and uh, and Mike and Aaron brought that to us and said, hey, do you want to you know do you want to turn this into something bigger? So we did. We took it. We uh, we got some more authors in there. Stretch goals. We got Timothy Zahn to give us another story and a- actually a a, a novella uh, to to put in there. Uh, we got uh, you know we got we got Matt Slay to come in and do artwork for every story. We did a bunch of cool extras like posters of the artwork and challenge coins based on the artwork and that type of thing. And uh, and so we launched the Kickstarter, and we were we asked for seventy five hundred to fund that, and we wound up making twenty eight thousand five hundred something like that, um, <laughs> which nice yeah, which was just amazing. And you know, so we're a little bit we're a little bit different from most publishing companies, I think, in that first of all, all everyone who is an owner in the business, um, and there are three of us, but everyone who's an owner in the business is an author. And we created the publishing company because we looked around at the at the the publishing field and we said, you know, I, there's a better way to do this. You know, traditionally in publishing, what happens is an author sells their story and the publisher takes it, and after that, the author really kind of loses control over what happens as far as the cover and totally yeah. and the editing, and they lose control of the creative process. And it just didn't make sense to us to take the person who is the creative driver to begin with and cut them out of the creative process. So um, we try to make the authors a full partner all the way through the, the course of the publishing process. They have uh, equal input into the cover. They have equal input into, you know, the editing process and, and, and many other things. And then we, you know, we carry that all the way through. We also make them equal partners in the distribution of any um, any profits from the sales of any books that we sell. So, you know, whereas traditionally you might, with a major publisher, you might get a contract that says, you know, you get 10% of the cover price, the, the cover of any book that's sold. So, you know, for a paperback, that would normally mean something like 50 cents per book as the author. Um, we, we go 50-50 with the authors um, because we think that since they've been involved in the entire process... Uh, they are our partners, and we should treat them like partners. So that's kind of uh, that's kind of where we are. We want to make books that are not just fun to read, but that are beautiful, right? It's why we put our artwork in them. It's why we spend so much time on covers that don't look like your traditional cover for most books, because we now want, it to, we want it to be. What's that? 
that was one of the things that really intrigued me about uh, looking at your website, uh, looking at Athena's daughter, uh, is that um, you not only have a stable of, of writers on the website, you also have a large group of artists on the website yes, as well. We do. And, and you know, we worked with, we're working with people like uh, Matt Slay, of course, from Time Travel Tales, and uh, who has also done a lot of work on uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, we are working with Mark Dos Santos, who, of course, is what, very well known in the, in the comic industry. But we also work with a bunch of uh, new and relatively unknown artists and authors because, you know, one of the reasons I love to do anthologies, and we do more than just anthologies, we do novels as well. But I, right. I, loved, I love to do anthologies because by doing an anthology, I get to take a book and I put an I put authors in it that are well known and established and so I know people are gonna buy that book and read that book for those authors but then I get to go out and find new authors that nobody's been introduced to who I think are great talents and I get to introduce them to people so I feel like I'm adding something as a publisher I feel like I'm adding something to the field and you know if you're not adding something to whatever field you're in then you probably shouldn't be doing it that's that's an interesting concept as opposed to just, you know, how much money do we make off this? That's right. And it's it's very refreshing to find a company, an organization that's willing to maintain that kind of an attitude. Well, you know, and we it, we can do that because we're small, right? We don't have yeah. we don't have the margin issues that say, you know, one of the the big well, it used to be big 6, but now big 5 publishers has. We don't have to cover the cost of maintaining an office building in New York. We don't have to cover the cost of a staff of, you know, a hundred editors. We, we operate fairly slim and, uh, and that allows us to, you know, we, and we don't publish, you know, 50 books a year. We are slowly building the number of books that we publish every year because we want to build ourselves in such a way that we can maintain that connection to the authors and the readers. If we ever get to the point where I think that we're too large, or we're, we're on the cusp of getting too large for me and for the other people who are owners in Silence in the Library to have uh, direct to have that direct relationship with the authors. Then, uh, then we're gonna, you know, we're gonna do something to to limit growth because we. I, I just don't want to get there. I want to, I want to maintain that. And if that may, so it means that we may stay a relatively small publisher, then then I'm perfectly happy with that. So you've spent a lot of time uh, in working as a traditional publishing house would be that small publishing house, but you've also branched into Kickstarter, Indiegogo uh, as as an alternate means of distribution. How's yes. that worked for you? So it works really well, and it, it it's you know it's funny. Um, when we came along to to Kickstarter, uh, publishing Kickstarters for and when I say publishing, I mean for fiction. There are several there are types of publishing Kickstarters that do extremely well, like for for games, right? Those do great. But publishing Kickstarters for fiction were not funding very well, and they still don't fund generally particularly well. I think the stat is that something like two out of three. Uh, publishing Kickstarters don't fund. Uh, so you've got a one in three chance of funding. We're running our sixth Kickstarter, our seventh uh, uh, 
crowdfunding campaign overall, and we've funded every single one, right? So we've been, we've been very fortunate, um, and it's worked well for us. And I think it's because, I, I mean, I, you know, I, I don't pretend to know what our readers are thinking, but as a reader myself, I think it's because the readers recognize that we're trying, that what we're trying to do is that we're trying to give them a voice in this process. I, you know, we could go out and we could find, we could publish our books without going through Kickstarter. Um, we could get the money together and we could do it. We just, you know, we would probably take longer to publish as many books as we ha- have because we'd have to recoup our investment. But by going through Kickstarter, we give the readers a direct voice. Uh, and I, I, we don't even give the readers. The readers have a direct voice in what comes to market and what doesn't come to market. And, you know, I'm kind of, I, I, I guess I'm kind of that, uh, um, Oh, what's the the, the word? I, I'm kind of the the you know that that um, slightly orderly anarchist, right? I mean, I I want there <laughs> I want there to be order. I I just I just want the order to get shaken up occasionally, you know. Um, Not a so, bad thing. Yeah, yeah. So so, and I think and I think that the way to do that is to empower people and. We try to do that with our readers and our authors, and I think the readers and the backers on Kickstarter and Indiegogo have have re- recognized that and and have rewarded the, us for that by making our our projects successful. Yeah, you've right now there are two projects currently being funded, one through Indiegogo and uh, one through Kickstarter. I want to talk about the Indiegogo one for just a minute because that's a little different than what you normally do. Yes, it, it is. Um, so, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. C.J. Uh, Henderson, uh, we've met a couple of times, and we've had him on the show once, maybe twice, but definitely once. Um, and as is a situation with people who have been around in the business for years, there comes a point at which there's a need. And C.J. has recently become ill. And he's been fighting cancer. And in what is reminiscent of a story that we've told on, on this show a number of times, he's having trouble making ends meet. Yep. So what brought you to put together a charity anthology for him? So this was something that was, uh, that was brought to us by uh, Gene Raby and by uh, Danielle Ackley-McPhail, both of whom are, are authors. You probably know Gene Raby from, from the Dragonlance work that she did. Right. Um, but so Gene brought this to us, and she said, hey, listen, CJ is, you know, exactly what you said. CJ is fighting cancer for the second time because he, you know, he... he fought it initially and it went into remission and they thought they had gotten it and it just came back with a vengeance. Um, and, and now he's, you know, it's, it's, it's if affected him to the point where he can't, he can't earn a living. Um, and so he and his family are really struggling. And, you know, I, so, you know, going back to the, this really, and this is why this really, uh, really struck a chord with me. I mean, it struck a chord with me because I, I think that I think that we as a as an artistic community have to be there to help each other through the hard times, right? I mean that's an obvious. But but the other thing is that 
I was seeing CJ in a position that Aaron Alston was in before he died, right? And I was seeing that there, here's an author who has contributed to the entertainment of tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of people, uh, and who has made a lot of money for a lot of people, publishing companies and otherwise. And, and yet, you know, when it comes down to it, at the end of his career, he's in a position where he can't afford the, the, the medical bills that are piling up. And that just seems wrong to me. It seems inherently wrong. Um, and so I, you know, I, I wanted to do something for CJ. Um, and the other folks here at Silence in the Library wanted to do something for CJ. And we had a ton of authors who were already on board who also wanted to do something for CJ. Um, so we pulled this anthology together. We, uh, we, we couldn't put it on Kickstarter, obviously, because Kickstarter doesn't allow, um, doesn't allow charity-based uh, projects. So we took it over to Indiegogo, and it's an amazing anthology. It's got, I, I mean, I'll just, I'll just read you a list of the authors who are, who were the base, the base. And, you know, we've got these, all these stretch goals where, where more authors are added on. But just at the base, you've got Kevin J. Anderson and Rebecca Moesta, Jack Dan, Ed Greenwood, Joe Haldeman, Nancy Holder, Tanya Huff, Gelsey Martin, Gene Raby, Michael Stackpole. Uh, Timothy Zahn, Gene Wolfe, uh, Robert Vardaman. I mean, just, it just... It's a shame you couldn't get any names for the book, you know? <laughs> oh, I know, right? I mean, just incredible <laughs> list of people who were willing to, to come in and help out. And, uh, and so, of course, you know, it was, a, it was kind of a no-brainer. It was like, yeah, we've got this list of people who are going to help out and contribute stories and at no cost, right? I mean... The, uh, none of those authors are getting paid. Silence in the library is not getting paid. So everything that doesn't go to um, to funding a print run of the book and funding um, shipping of that print run to to backers is going to to uh, C.J. Henderson to help him in his fight against cancer and to help his family survive while that's going on. Um, so yeah, I mean, really, really, really cool group of authors. And and you know, the initial book has just over 30 authors and we have like 30 stretch goal authors and uh and at this point we've got we're on the last day of this actually we've got six hours left now um and it's got uh it's got let's see 9500 the, the initial goal was eight was 7500 we're on the fourth stretch goal we've hit 9500 which means we're adding a uh we're adding a story by Aaron Rosenberg, who you may know from his uh, his his work in the the Star Trek world. Um, and you know, if and we could, who knows how far it's going to get up tonight? But it's uh, let let me go ahead and give the name since I haven't done that yet. It's called "Monkeying Around for a Good Cause." So if you just go out to Indiegogo and look out "Monkeying Around," you'll you'll find it. And uh, with six hours left, jump in because you're going to get a ton of great stories. And you're going to get a ton of extras because we always throw in a ton of extra stretch goals. So, so go out and get it and help CJ and do something good for his family. It's, it's a, you're doing a great thing and you're getting a great anthology. Absolutely. Can't hope, yeah, can't hope for more than that. Now talk to me a little bit about um, the new Kickstarter project you have on called Elected. Yeah, so uh, so we've got uh, it's a dystopian future novel, right? Uh, 
called Elected on Kickstarter. So if you go out to Kickstarter and you look up Elected under uh, under the publishing Kickstarters, or just look up Elected from the main from the main uh, from the main menu, and it'll uh, you know search for Elected from the main menu, it'll pop that up. But it's uh, it's written by a, an author named Rory Shea, and Rory has just come up with this amazing world. And I, I you know I like our books not only to be entertaining, and this one is definitely entertaining. It's it's the best of what you would hope from a dystopian novel, right? I, I mean, it's kind of aimed at the young adult, uh, the young adult group, like most dystopians are. But it's like many others, it is it is great for all ages. Uh, I read it and absolutely loved it. Right, you know, the first time I touched it, but it's uh, it's got some it's got some great messages too, and I, I mean that's one of the things we like to do in our projects. We like to have projects that that not only are entertaining, but that that have some kind of message that is really going to resonate with people and make people think. And uh, basically, Elected is about a young girl who is uh, who is the president of her country, and it's the future. And that country is based in Washington D.C. Obviously, it's not the United States, but uh, in their society, only men can be uh, the president. And she is uh, so she has to to masquerade as a man uh, because she is the only child of her parents, and her dad is the is the current president. She has to masquerade as a man her entire life, and so we we really she really touches on some important issues about. You know about identity, about you know people who have to pretend that there's something that feel like they have to pretend that there's something that they're not uh, to be accepted by society, and 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 she does it in a really, really, really compelling way. And then she also kind of the reason that the world is where it is at that time is is because of the things that have happened to the environment through human action. So she kind of touches a lot on the uh, on the effect of. Our, you know the effect of human habitation and human consumption on uh, on the environment and what the what the long term effects of that could be. So really, really interesting, entertaining, and really, really a book with uh, with some compelling life lessons. I think the kind of interesting thing I found uh, about reading about this uh, book is about Rory Shea herself, who's essentially a young adult author. Yes. And she, this is kind of, I think, maybe her first foray into science fiction. So, it's her. It is. It is her first novel. Period. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, it is. It is her first novel. And I tell you what, it is. You know, I. So it's it's rare to find a first novel uh, from an author, even really good authors. It's rare to find a first novel that's that's really polished and ready to go. You know, and uh, and Rory's really was. I was polished and ready to go and it's the first in a series of three books uh, and the other the other two will you know be coming out as we, as we progress but um, just a, an amazing Rory's an amazing talent and, and more than that she is just an amazing well amazingly well developed an author for someone who is publishing their very first book you know Rory was uh was had a publishing company and right that's that's the other really interesting story about this project is that you were the second publishing company to yeah. go for this book yeah the, the yeah. first one kind of went under literally a week before her, her, her publishing date 
Wow. Yeah, it went under a week before her publishing date. And the way it went under was just, I, I mean, it, it went under in such a way that every author w- it, that, that they had, and they had a lot of authors, were kind of left just holding the bag, right? They, I mean, they had a lot of authors who were getting ready to get published. This was a publishing company that hadn't been around for a long time. I don't think they'd been in operation for more than a year or so, but they had launched, when they launched, they had signed a whole bunch of authors. Um, and they'd signed a whole bunch of authors through the traditional method of going through agents, right? So they had signed a whole bunch of authors who had been vetted and the, you know, who, who had reasonable expectation that they would have a, a, a good publishing contract and a good career with the publishing wow. company. And then the company just folded all of a sudden, no, no warning, and all of these guys were kind of left holding the bag. We, so we were appro- approached by um, several of the authors uh, who, were, who had that happen to them. We knew Rory um, from, public, from just writing circles uh, already. And we, she told us what had happened, and we were like, well, hey, send us your book. We'll take a look at it. Fell in love with the book, decided to publish it. And then uh, through her, we wound up uh, interacting with several more of, the, more of the authors. And of the seven or eight that came to us, we wound, we're, we're going to wind up, it looks like, signing about three total. And all of the books are just, uh, are just amazing. We're really, really excited about these authors. Now, the cool thing about this Kickstarter is, A, this book was ready to go. This book was ready to be launched when it came to you. So when this Kickstarter is done, boom, it's out. Yeah. But you yeah. have pledges that start at $5. Yep. And go all the way up to $150. Yep. And for, you know, for $5, you go in, you get the ebook. And as soon as this thing is over, the day it ends, we're launching the ebook to everyone. All right. Because <laughs> that's it's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. So you'll get the ebook immediately. Immediately, and I and and though we put an August delivery date for the um, for the, uh, the print versions for the print versions, I expect to have the print version out within a month after that. That's crazy. That's super fast, yeah. And the fun yeah. part is, with 19 days left to go, you've already hit the goal. Yeah, we've hit the goal. We're just working on stretch goals right yeah. now, and and I mean the great. Thing about the stretch goals, uh, the great thing I think about the stretch goals on our, on our uh, on Silence in the Library projects is we try to give you a lot of them and we try to give you value at every single level, right? So Absolutely. we're about two hundred dollars away from the first of those stretch goals, which is forty five hundred, and when we hit that, everybody's gonna. Every backer uh, is gonna get a free digital download of uh, Gene Raby's novella worms right mm-hmm. we got another five hundred dollars above that at five thousand dollars every backer is going to get a free digital download of brian young's short story uh which which is tied into his new the serpent's head five hundred dollars above that every backer is going to get a free download of uh john sourbeer's novel the phoenix fallacy and it just builds from there there's you know if if we hit every stretch goal here you're going to wind up all of the backers are going to wind up getting something like like six or seven or eight ebooks and uh, an audiobook. It's just, you know. I, now, for, and again, if you, if you just come in at the basic $5 level, you get all of that in the electronic form. Right. 
Now, one of the things that you're very clear about in almost all of these projects, at least all the projects of yours that I've seen, is that all of them are DRM-free. Yes. I, that, and that's a – okay, so, so we do DRM-free. I don't know if it is – you know, there, there are companies that, do DR, that don't do DRM-free, and they have sound business reasons for not doing it. So I would never – I would never disparage somebody for their business decisions. I would. But, <laughs> but, but it is a philosophical decision for us. We feel like if you buy something, if, I, if you buy a print book, I'm not going to do, okay, you can read the print book in your home, but you can't carry it to your job and read it, right? I'm not going to tell you where and how you can read that book. So why would I do it with the electronic version, right? Because you feel like you can? Yeah, but just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do it. Mm. Absolutely. That's right. But we're not disparaging anyone, so (laughs) we'll we'll just end it there. Yeah, that's a decision we made for us. We're not going to disparage anyone else's decision. It's my job. (laughs) (laughs) And you do a great job of it, Kriana. Thank you. So here's, here's what I'd like to do. Um, I'd like to, to know, and I think a lot of our listeners would like to know, whenever you do something like this, whenever you bring a new project out through Kickstarter, through Indiegogo, or, or even, even through regular publishing means, you know, what's going on with you guys? This, it's important to us and, and to our listeners who really get into <clears throat> new forms of <clears throat> e-commerce New forms of publishing. We've been uh, we've been very proactive with a number of uh, e-publishing websites, uh, including uh, StoryBundle.com and but and other places like that, and Indiegogo campaigns because and and Kickstarter because it's important. It's important for. Um, well, what was it? Spider Robinson said, "There's just not enough time anymore to listen to all the new voices." Right. So. Yeah. And you've got to be able to to find them first. And this is one of the ways to find them. So, first of all, we'd like you back on the show whenever you've got something going on like this. Yeah, absolutely. We'd, I'd love to. <laughs> I'd love to. And, and let me tell you, if also, and if, if you want to, and there's an also another easy way that, that the readers can, uh, that your, your listeners can, can do this. And all they have to do is go out to our website, which is right. silenceinthelibrarypublishing.com. Um, I know it's a, it's, a, it's a long name, but silenceinthelibrarypublishing.com. And if they, on the right-hand side of the page, there is a sign-up sheet for our newsletter. And so there's a couple of things. Our newsletter, of course, will have information about our el- upcoming projects. But more importantly, we do, every quarter, we do a free e-zine. Uh, we, pr- we produce a free e-zine called The Stacks, um, which has short stories and uh and opinion pieces and from from different authors and artwork from different artists um and so so they can find out you know they can meet new authors read some of their favorite authors uh, like our last ep- our last version had a short story in it from Michael Stackpole it had one from uh from uh, uh Maxwell Allen to Alexander Drake it had uh, an excerpt from uh, from Greg Wilson's novel Icarus. It had uh, 
an excerpt from Gene Raby's novel, which is going to be published through Silence in the Library here um, in just a few months, uh, it's The Cauldron. And, uh, and so there's a lot of great stuff in there. And, and you know, you can uh, you get all of that for free. So if you, if you sign up, you not only find out what's going to be going on with Silence in the Library in the near future, but you get some free stories as well, which, which to me is, you know, I love to read. So. And free stuff is always cool. Yes. Free stuff is <laughs> free stuff Ron, is we, I, I could talk for hours, uh, and I want to talk some more uh, and, and talk with some of the authors at, at Silence in the Library Publishing. But I can't thank you enough for being on the show tonight. Uh, and uh, just kind of giving, giving the listeners an introduction to what it is you guys do, which I think is something really, really important. Thank you so much. Well, thanks for having me on. I really appreciated this uh, this opportunity. So thanks. Cool. Kriana. Yeah, I'm here. Okay. What's going on in the next couple of weeks? I will tell you that in just a minute. <laughs> I was so prepared, and then my tab crashed. All right, well... Not next, no, next week we have the lovely, the talented Sarah Richard. The week after that, who knows, it's a surprise. Um, on the 24th, Joe Schmalky of the Calamitous Black Devils. And on the 31st, Nick Acosta and Travis Ritchie come back to post-mortem the last Indiegogo of the Inspector Chronicles movie. And talk about the movie, yes, absolutely. That's what I said, dead redhead. Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of Boston Comic-Con, Granite-Con, PopCultureExpo.com, Rhode Island Comic-Con, BooksAndBooze.com, and ComicArthouse.com. Visit ComicArthouse.com for the best deals on original art from dozens of your favorite artists. Tonight's outro music provided by Lawrence Made Me Cry. Check out more of their groups on LawrenceMadeMeCry.com. Film. It's been a lovely couple of hours here, and uh, if you've been with us, thanks for being with us. If you haven't been with us, you didn't hear it, so whatever. I want to thank our cast tonight for joining us. From wow. the Fever Time Vortex, the sweetheart of the soundboard, Kriana, and our grammar girls on Prairie. Thank you very much, ladies. Dome, your elegance again leaves me speechless. I am eloquent beyond belief. Speechless. From the Four Color Vault of Comics. Thank you so much, Dead Redhead. It's always a pleasure to have you with us. Pleasure to be here again. I was wondering if you meant elegance or eloquence. <laughs> I, I, I thought you meant anything starting with an E, so we're all set with that. <laughs> this is Dome saying, Jeannie, champagne is lessened, shared joy is increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. Good night, everyone. I know.